Making the right financial decisions takes time, skill, and effort. The Savvy Brokers Club podcast delivers strategies from today's thought leaders that help you build and maintain your financial freedom. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Savvy Brokers Club podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jonathan Mayot, Commercial Insurance Advisor with Thornton Powell. How you doing? Wonderful. How are you, sir? I'm doing excellent. This is a, a long time coming because we met each other. We were hanging out at the Metropolitan Club, you know, downtown at the Sears Tower. Um, still, to me, the Sears Tower. But, yeah, same you know, here. Right? Same here. <laughs> but then the pandemic happened and, you know, like everybody else, we yeah, couldn't see each other. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so it's nice to reconnect. So uh, tell me about what you do as a commercial insurance advisor so we get that out of the way. <laughs> so what I do is uh, I work with uh, businesses on their commercial insurance, uh, property and casualty insurance, so general liability policies, workers' comp, uh, cyber liability is a huge one, obviously, these days, employers' liability, or um, um, employment practices liability, uh, things along those lines. Uh, businesses anywhere between the independent contractor all the way up to $50 million and beyond in revenue. Uh, so it kind of runs the gamut in size. Uh, I've even taken on some independent contractors who eventually became the $25 million <laughs> revenue generating businesses. So uh, that's it, that's always a good thing for everybody when that happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, I try to work with them to advise them on what potential risks they may encounter in their business and ways they can protect those risks using insurance policies. Absolutely. And one of those things that... You know, I, I love about the, the title, the advisor aspect is that, especially in, in, in terms of leadership, entrepreneurship, that that is really something you need to rely on are your advisors, right? And when, you, when it comes to understanding insurance policies, I mean, I've seen them and they're complicated. They're very complicated. <laughs> so to have someone like you in, in, you know, in that uh, area of expertise, I think is, is something that is not often considered. And I would love for you to kind of explain exactly that advisory role that someone would call you for and, you know, what that would look like. So I'll actually, I'll use uh, an example of a client who, uh, well, prospect who just today became a client because I think it's uh, it's kind of the uh, the textbook way of how it, or the, the way I would imagine it should work. Um, so somebody that I knew who was starting a business and he came to me and he said, hey, I'm starting this new business. Uh, I know that I kind of need maybe this policy and this policy, but tell me what else I should be thinking about. How should I be looking at this? So the person that I was working with was an attorney. So very obviously, he's coming to me thinking, I need malpractice insurance. I think I might need cyber liability. By the way, I'm going to have a paralegal working under me, and we're not going to have uh, an office or anything like that. So I said, okay, you're right. We, you definitely need malpractice insurance. Uh, you are definitely on the right track when it comes to the cyber liability element of it, because if somebody breaches your servers, somebody hacks into your emails, steals all your clients' information, you've got a big problem on your hands. Yeah. And then also, too, um, even though he's not uh, opening up, uh, most people think general liability, they think slip and fall. And I said, well, you probably need to consider that because it might be able to pick up potential libel and slander lawsuits that may come that your malpractice policy isn't going to pick up. So and then also workers comp, too. And he said, well, he said, it's just one paralegal. She's going to be working at home. 
yeah, that's fine. If she gets injured and she's working on your behalf at the time that she gets injured, you've got a problem. No way. Yeah. So there's, uh, we were able to go through that and then I kind of, I, I, presented him some options and I said, you know, you can, this is what you really need to do. And then here's some things that you may want to take into consideration and just kind of letting, letting him carve out, you know, what do I need from that standpoint? So being able to say, this is why you would need this. Um, How do you feel about that? And kind of letting people make their own decisions, but kind of being able to give them my advice from my perspective, which is, you know, I've seen X, Y, and Z happen before. And if you don't have insurance for it, you're going to have a big problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you think about, you know, even just an investing standpoint, you know, one thinks about investing to get a return, but, you know, oftentimes insurance is really that investment where it's part of just life. It's part of, uh, you know, business that things happen and to be prepared for it in such a way where, you know, you have those financial assets to cover you. Tell me a little bit more about this in terms of how, you know, seeing this as an investment versus a liability can help someone really protect themselves, but, but just be ready for those types of situations that are probably going to happen. So I'll even, I'll, I'll go back to this example because one of the things that came up when I presented the malpractice quote to him, there were several different, different options for limits on the policy. And from the lowest limit presented to the highest limit presented, there was only, it was about a $500 difference or something like that. Wow. And his thought on it without me ever saying anything is, you know what, not that I intend on having a major claim, but we're talking a difference between a $500,000 limit and $2 million. What's $500 just to have that extra, you know, uh, uh, to go from 500,000 to 2 million. And I said, yeah, I said, you know, I, I actually, I could give you a real life example of kind of underselling yourself that happened to me. Uh, when I first started at our agency, we didn't have enough people to have a group health plan at that point because everybody was on a spousal plan or had their health insurance somewhere else. And I was totally single and I needed health insurance. And I'm like, oh, well, hey, I'm this healthy, uh, you know, 30, I think I was 31 at the time. I'm a healthy 31-year-old. I've never had any problems. I've never been in the hospital. I'll go with the high deductible. And then it was like literally like um, a couple months later, I ended up in the hospital. Jeez. And all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I've got $5,000 that I owe to the, you know, the hospital now that had I gone with the lower deductible... I wouldn't have had to worry about that, and it would have only cost me maybe a few extra bucks a month, but I wasn't thinking that way. Real-life experience it makes you think, oh, you know what, maybe maybe I do need to spend a couple extra dollars on that. That was That would have been important. How often do you tell that story? Uh, whenever something like this comes up, absolutely. Seems yeah. like it's personal for you. I'm like, yeah, it's just kind of like, look, you know, you, everybody knows their own financial situation better than anybody else. I mean, I'm sure their financial advisor and their, their tax attorney or their, their accountant may understand some things a little bit better, but, uh, everybody can kind of do the math and say, I can afford to take on this much risk out of my own pocket. Yeah. And then... After that, figure out, okay, how much do I really need to rely on somebody else? I mean, it's no different than, you know, taking a look at your, everybody's got a, an auto policy if they have a car, you know, do you want a $500 deductible or are you going to say, you know what, 
I paid cash for this thing, and if something happens to it, hey, no big deal. I'll just pay for it out of pocket. I can go drop a you know forty or fifty grand on a new car, and it's no big deal. You know, so everybody, but most people are going to be like, yeah, you know what? I want that deductible in case something happens. I'm only five hundred dollars out of pocket, so I can you know get the thing repaired or get a new car or whatever. But And, and those things are easy to understand because it's everyday life and everyone has to deal with them. But when you're talking about commercial insurance, it's a different beast that if you're not up to speed on the laws and how things change, you might have absolutely no clue what you're not being protected from or what to protect yourself from. How How much does that change? How often, you know, for you, are you having to keep up with these things that are just part of your industry? Oh, we abs- take for granted, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it's like any any profession. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. There's always going to be new things that you need to learn. And at no point are you ever going to know everything. Anybody who thinks they know everything at any point is, lying you. you need to run the other direction. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you don't want to go to a car mechanic that knows every, oh, I know every single, okay, fine. Yeah, there's nothing else you can learn. Um, so for for us and for me, um, I have uh, what's called a certified insurance counselor designation. It's uh, CIC for short. Uh, there's only about 3% of the licensed property and casualty insurance agents in the entire country. And there's like one, I think it's like 1.2 or 1.5 million uh, licensed producers in the country. Only 3% of them have that CIC designation. Wow. The CIC designation, the way it works is you, to get the designation, you have to take, um, it's five classes and they last, it's like 16 hours worth of class time, and then you get a two-hour written exam, and they'll go through and they'll give you questions about claim scenarios and how a policy will react, do you have coverage, do you not have coverage, and explain your reasoning. So it's, and I used up every last minute of the two hours every single time I took the exam. There were a couple that I had to retake. So these things are not easy, and that's also very common. But uh, part of getting that designation, once you have it, is every single year you have to go and do a 16-hour update. You don't have to take the exam, but you still have to go and take the class and pay attention. The big thing is that once you get to that level, then you're learning new things that don't typically come up. You're learning about topics like I think though the one that we did back in December was um, uh, they hit a lot on cyber liability, which... Uh, that seems to be huge. It's huge. It's huge because everybody... There's... there's I don't know, so many people getting hacked. There's so much. I mean, you just you hear about it in the news all the time. Well, not even that. Just to know that. I mean, not, not, not to take away from that, but that one of the things when we were uh, going and teaching at Columbia University and really showing these students how to get jobs and everything else, that I learned how prevalent data science is and that data has now surpassed oil in terms of value and you know how it's traded. And so there's a lot writing on this that... I can't imagine from a liability standpoint, like you're saying, you know, that it would be impacted in the insurance bill. How, how do you see that as far as, or not how do you see it, but how is it when it comes to data and protecting data? Is it really the gamut of whatever that could be, or is it something specific that you're protecting from, like uh, privacy, uh, you know, individual privacy? Is that the biggest thing? Uh, it's uh, Privacy is a huge aspect of it. Uh, if you're a business, you are probably going to have access to some sort of sensitive uh, personally identifiable information. 
uh, whether it's your employees, whether it's your clientele, right? you're going to have access to that. And if you happen to have it saved, say, in your email or on your phone <laughs> or, or you shouldn't. <laughs> it, yeah, on your laptop, something like that. Uh, you could end up getting that breached and then all of a sudden you've got a problem because right. you're going to have to notify anybody who's been uh, had their information potentially uh, compromised. Um, you could end up with fines depending on you know what kind of breach it was. Um, a lot of like PCI fines uh, for people who are taking credit card payments, right, things right, like right. that. That seems to be the biggest one. Absolutely. Too. That's that's another big one. Um a lot of what I'll encounter is a lot of people will say, oh, I'm too small to have have something like that happen. It only happens to the, the big companies like Target and Home Depot. Well, yeah, those are the only ones you ever hear about. You never hear about the little ones that are getting breached. And those are the ones that are probably more common just yeah. because they fly under the radar. Yeah. They don't make the news, right? Right, exactly. I mean, most of these, uh, uh, most of these hackers just they don't they don't want to be seen. They don't want to be known. They just this is how they make their living. Wow, you know, That's even scary. though it's uh, yeah, but it, they'll fly under the radar and they'll be happy taking a bunch of you know little twenty five thousand uh, dollar you know uh, breaches or um, uh, comp data compromises or you know things like that. So. Um, I've even heard of like ransoming uh, yeah. passwords and, you know, people asking for ransoms. I have Absolutely. your password, I have you uh, in some sort of yeah. incriminating act and, you know, that you were doing on your computer. And that seems to be a business in and of itself these days. Absolutely. That's the most common one. Really? That is the, that's like the most common Stop. thing is that people, what they'll do is they'll send out an email. It'll be like a phishing email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And somebody will click on it thinking that it's legit because they've they've totally masked out like the email right, and the domain right. and everything and next thing you know well you've got ransomware on your computer and right. they're wanting $20,000 or they're going to take all of your data and if you happen to have a cyber liability policy then you should have that covered under the policy See, that's so, what people need to know about. Absolutely. And you can turn that into the insurance carrier, and they will take care of the ransom negotiation. A lot of times, these guys last for like twenty or 25000 They can talk them down to like twelve, and either way, the insurance carrier is the one paying it, not you. Right. So it's that, stuff like that. And also some of, the, um, some of the risk management stuff that some of the carriers provide, too. So you can avoid some of these things, uh, especially on the cyber side. They'll they'll sit there and they'll say, well, you know, if you're not doing X, Y, and Z, we're not going to write your policy. So it forces you to have some safeguards in place. And then, oh, by the way, as you're going along and, um, uh, you know, setting these things up, we can give you some other hints and tips as to things you need to be looking for as the environment changes, which it's constantly, there, there's always a new virus. There's always a new mm -hmm. thing out there that needs to be uh, addressed. Absolutely. So they'll try to, you know, keep people up on, up to speed on those types of things. Absolutely. Now, do you ever have those conversations with clients where they want to overinsure and you're like, well, as much as I'd like to, you know, <laughs> see a nice return on my paycheck, uh, you don't need this stuff. Like, is, is that ever a conversation that, that you have to talk people off a ledge from over insuring themselves? No, I don't think <laughs> like that so much. I I don't think I've ever had anybody who's wanted to overinsure. It's usually trying to say you're really underinsuring here. No, and that seems to be the most common thing. One of the, yeah. the, the the cool things that I'd heard about during the pandemic was how Wimbledon had um, they made out because they had pandemic insurance and no other events really had 
that on their policies. Yeah. And so they made a bunch of, they made more money on the insurance than they did on actually having Wimbledon goal yeah. uh, as, as planned. And that's, uh, we had a lot of people who wanted to file business income claims for business interruption. And some of, uh, I'd say the majority of the people that uh, came to us and needed or wanted to file those claims, they were trying to get uh, SBA loans and that was one of the requirements so it was more a formality that they just had to say hey we filed the claim here's the paperwork it was denied now we need our loan and some businesses they really wanted to i mean they they were like hey we we want our money this is business interruption here and the problem is is that as we're finding out as these policies are dissected and looked at in the courts now is that um, that's not covered under an insurance policy. Getting having a pandemic is not considered what they'd call a covered peril. Interesting. A covered peril for a business income claim, which is going to be under a property policy, is going to be wind, fire, hail, right, 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 right. building collapse. There's nothing mentioned in there about a pandemic. About government shutdowns? Government shutdown. Yeah, the only way that that's going to work is, well, did the government decide to shut down your business because the building burned down or the building next door burned down? Something like that, then, yeah, you've got a claim. But uh, communicable disease is not something that's part of the policy. So did you notice a lot of those changes or, or at least things being addressed or being brought up more clarified as a result of the pandemic then? I, that's been, yeah, it's, I I would say it's been addressed a little bit more, um, just because it has come up. Um, I I don't know if people necessarily like the answer, but it's the answer. Yeah. Um, and the other side of that too, I mean, I, I see both sides of it. I mean, businesses obviously were struggling and a lot of them still are. A lot of them are still trying to get back up on their feet and it's going to be a little while before they do. Uh, so they're going to do anything they can to try to get going again. Uh, from the insurance carrier side, if all of if every single business out there was filing a business income claim because of the pandemic, the insurance industry would probably you'd probably see half the carriers go away, if not more, and then whoever was left would probably just jack the premiums up, probably a hundred, two hundred. Three hundred percent. I mean, yeah. it would it would put the insurance industry in a horrible spot because they weren't charging premium to be able to cover that kind of claim on that kind of scale. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it, yeah, and I think that they kind of had the same issue back in two thousand one with nine eleven. That's yeah. how we ended up with terrorism insurance right, right. in these policies, which is kind of subsidized by the government and. The insurance carriers a little bit so it's kind of like you know okay the government will pay this much and the insurance carrier will pay this much and then it makes it feasible for everybody i've heard people talk about trying to do something like that going forward um there's been i think a couple of states where they've introduced bills like that i have not heard any updates on whether or not anything's actually become law or been passed i haven't noticed any changes on any of the policies that we write 
So well, there's definitely a lot to keep up with. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's never uh, dull. No, it, it really no. isn't, and and not even that. But like, I, I also part of that Columbia experience that I was uh, talking about before was there's a lot of people uh, taking insurance as a you know, profession, but also as a degree, right? Like whatever yeah. it is, insurance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what the, the the degree is, but it's it's a big thing, you know. Me now. neither, because yeah. I did not graduate. I, I I didn't go to school for insurance. I didn't even realize that was such a thing, and I met this young lady who was extremely passionate about insurance, and I was mm. like, wow, what a crazy thing! But you know, for those not pursuing that, yeah. uh, <laughs> but running a business and understanding that you know that there there is risk, and what's the best approach, especially for a, a new business owner, someone maybe now stepping into a, a role or buying a business? What should people be looking for in terms of before they call you to address that they need to call you uh, and understand more about how to protect themselves from uh, an insurance standpoint? I think. The big thing is, and not just from an insurance standpoint, just make sure you surround yourself with people who know how to uh, properly advise you on how to get your business set up right in the first place. Because a lot of times people go in and try to do it all themselves. They really don't know what they're doing. And then the accountant, the attorney, the insurance advisors, they all need to come in after the fact and try to clean it, clean things up. Yeah. So the best thing you can do, the best investment that you're going to make up front is get yourself a quality business attorney to be able to know how to properly set up your business from a legal standpoint and put some uh, you know, good contracts in place to protect you and your clients, your employees, um, things like that. Um, make sure you have a good CPA, a good accountant to be able to handle the tax element. And then also make sure that you have a good insurance advisor who can sit there and say, okay, here's what you're doing based on the nature of your business. You could potentially end up with lawsuits for this, this, this. Um, you have property, so you need to insure that. Uh, I mean, there, there's a million different directions based on the type of business that they have. A lot of different policies they may need to take on. Yep. No, that's all very good advice. Yeah. So if you're out there listening, then, you know, that sounds like you and you're ready to, to at least take your business to the next level. Right? I would strongly encourage you to reach out to Jonathan. You can do so by filling out the form. He'll get that in his inbox. Jonathan, thank you for coming in and sharing these words of wisdom. I know that uh, not everybody is keen on you know some of these things like insurance and investing, and, but especially as business owners, we need to understand how to be savvy, and that's really the, the name of this game, so I appreciate you. No, oh, thank you uh, for having me. I appreciate it.